Hey Church family, it's Jordan bringing you the latest on the hill. For those visiting in person today, feel free to stop by our new wall located in the lobby. We would love to meet you and get connected. We even have a gift for you. But you'll have to stop by to see what's in it. Each year around this time, we provide you an opportunity to show God's love through generosity. Cada Nino is our Together partner in Guatemala. They minister to over 200 kids each week in one of the poorest parts of Guatemala City. You can grab a bag on your way out to become a blessing this Christmas. Our men's conference is happening September 29th and 30th. Uncommon will feature special speakers, worship, camping, competitions, and as always, great food. <coughs> we also want to emphasize that we want our young men involved as well. So for middle school and older, don't miss out on this life-changing weekend. We love watching God weave people into the fabric of what He is creating here at Shelby Christian. Pathways is our way to bring new members into our community of changed lives. Our next session is happening on September 19th. Each Pathways includes a Chick-fil-A dinner at 6 o'clock and childcare is provided. Here are the three steps of Pathways. First step is salvation and membership. Second step is disciple making. And third step is involvement and stewardship. You can sign up now on our website, shelbychristian.org. You can also stay in the know about everything going on from activities to life groups by signing up for our e-newsletter. Call our church office or email us at info at shelbychristian.org. We have more baptisms to celebrate this week. Shelby was baptized last Sunday. You stand to your feet. We're so glad you came in. We're going to sing about God's word because... The Word of God says that it is a lamp into our feet, a light into our path. It's an active sword that we use every day, man. Let's sing. Come on, put your hands together like this. Is a lamp unto my feet. Your way is the only way for me. It's a narrow road that leads to life, and I want to be on it. It's a narrow road, but the mercy is wide, because you're good on your promise. I take you at your word. You said it, I believe it. I've seen how good it works. If you started, you're completed. I take you at your word. To good on your promise. You spoke. And the chaos fell in line And I know Cause I've seen it in my life It's a narrow road that leads to life But I want to be on it Oh, it's a narrow road And the tide is high But you're part of the water If you said it, I believe it. I see how good it works. If you 
time of communion or remind you of communion stands all over the room along with our offering boxes if you continue to help us as we serve our community here in Shelbyville. You all know how much I love history and we're about to start this new series on life hacks about wisdom and as I was thinking about all the different quotes and wisdom that I, I know over the years one of my favorites comes from Abraham Lincoln when he said this he said I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day. Abraham Lincoln was known as a man of prayer. He realized that all wisdom, no matter what he was facing in his life, had to come from God. Because we know scripture tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. So as this morning, as we take time, I want to remind you when Jesus and his disciples sat down, had Passover and celebrated the first communion, Jesus got up and washed his disciples' feet. And when he got to Peter, you know, Peter questioned him, why are you doing this? And Jesus said, now you don't understand, but later you will. And they didn't get it till Jesus rose from the dead. And I think there's so many times in our lives when we just don't understand what's going on. But later we will. Because God is always in control. Amen. Let's pray together.
Father God, we just praise you this morning, Lord, and we just we just come into this place. Father, I just pray that your spirit would just fall upon this room. Father, that you continue to anoint Stu and the worship team and Pastor Dave as he brings our message this morning. Father, we ultimately hardly know anything in this world, but we know that your wisdom can come to each and every one of us. Father, I just pray this morning that as we hear these words, Lord, that it will sink into our hearts, that we will respond to whatever it is that you have to say to us this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. stand with us as we worship sing a hymn how marvelous how wonderful he is
Because of that marvelous, amazing love, we can have joy right here in the house of the Lord. Amen. Let's sing together. We're royalty, we were the prisoners, 
Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Come on, is that good news to you? We were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the to what we sing i mean you know because it's important man i am so glad i am so glad to be able to serve at a place uh it's got guys on staff uh all of our staff but guys like jason and bobby that i can take a couple weeks and especially in the fall and let my voice rest and just man we're still cruising still cruising and god is doing amazing 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 stuff and we're excited about today. Uh, some of you guys either A, don't get the e-news, in which case if you heard the announcements, just make sure we get your email and we'll get you the e-news, which is comes out every Tuesday or Wednesday, got all the stuff about church. Some of you either don't get it or you don't read it. And so some of you don't know what we put in there this week about what an amazing, amazing year uh, that God has been blessing us with already this year. As of, you know, can you believe we're starting the fourth quarter of the year today? It, it's like we're... We're just a few weeks away from actually talking about that, that end of the year holiday and then that four letter word that comes right after that, you know, and some of you know the one I'm talking about that starts with an S and ends with an N-O-W. Um, but God has blessed us with so much so far this year. So far at the end of the third quarter, uh, we are averaging almost 1,150 on campus every Sunday. That is by far the largest in the history of our church. Add to that almost 200 that are worshiping online every week. And so if you're online with us right now, keep staying online with us until you can get here in person. But that's, oh, that's right at 1,350 people every week that are being touched uh, by what God's doing on the hill. And that's incredible, incredible. But then also, and we're getting ready for our September pathways. 
But so far this year in Pathways, we've had 46 people come as baptized believers and say we want to be members of the church. And then the most important number, as of yesterday morning, about 9 o'clock in a farm pond out toward Baghdad, we have now baptized 75 people already this year. And, and get this, in case you just like... In case you just like want to get an extra dose of Jesus today and hang around, we already know of five more coming at the next service, all right? So let's do this. Let's do this. God is doing incredible, incredible stuff. And like Bobby said, today we're going to begin uh, what I think is going to be a really fun series. It's called, it's called Life Hacks. How many of you know what a life hack is? Okay, 12 of you. Okay, that's great. I had no, I had never, ever heard the term until about seven weeks ago. And Jason said, we need to do a series. We need to call it Life Hacks. And then I started looking online and a bunch of other people had done that too. And so was, I thought, that's really cool. And then I started figuring out what Life Hacks are. I, I now have to enter a 12-step program because I'm obsessed with watching Life Hacks on YouTube and like Instagram and everybody. Like I am eat up with checking out what different Life Hacks are. But here's the, here's the simple way to understand A Life Hack is a clever way to solve an everyday problem. I've got some pictures of some here. Like here's one. How many of you have clothes that have shrunk? <laughs> so here's a way to unshrink clothes. You can soak clothes in hot water uh, and hair conditioner for five minutes, let them dry and they'll be good as new. Some of you are run right home and do that. The other thing you do is eat a little bit less. That's the other thing that you could do uh, on that. And I'm speaking to myself here. Here's the second life hack. Okay. If you get some of you to go camping and need a place to kind of get light, but you don't want lights on at night, take a jug of water and put just the headlamp around it. It gives you this wonderful ambient light for your tent, for your kids, whatever. Here's another, this may be the one that changes more lives than anything. All right. It, you know, you know, you got those ring key ring holders and they got the little rings and like you break your finger apart, trying to get it spread apart enough to get on. Some of you are already like, I got to get me a staple remover. All right. You take a staple remover, stick it in between the ring. And the key, boom. You just key slides right on. I just changed your life and saved your fingers. Right? One more. All right. One more here. Tomorrow, Labor Day picnic, all right? I thought this was appropriate. A good, easy way to serve your condiments, just a muffin pan. Fill up the things. When you're done with the picnic, under the sink, wash it out, you're good. Those are life hacks. Those are life hacks, and we're going to do some every week, and there's some, there are some coming in the next two weeks that will truly change your life, okay? So you need to, you need to check those out. But here's what, here's what it is to me. Life hacks to me are a combination of common sense and wisdom, Two things that are desperately missing in our world today. Common sense and wisdom come together. It's not the things that you're going to learn in school. It's just the things that you're going to figure out as you go through life and they apply to your regular life. And here's the reality. The reality is that disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, need to think creatively on how to navigate upstream in a downstream world. We need some life hacks. We need some life hacks about how we're going to live and how we're going to share the incredible love of Jesus. 
we just finished this series where we were talking about the end of First Corinthians, the end, very end of First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter thirteen, the last verse in the chapter, and, and it's been a chapter about love, and it gets to the very end, and we we read about faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these love. We just talked about that, okay? But the two verses right before that verse, I mentioned briefly as we kicked off that series. Here's what verses eleven and twelve say in First Corinthians thirteen: When I was a child. I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. I'll figure some things out. There'll be some life hacks that happen in life as I grow up and I put away childish things and I learn how to apply wisdom in my life. It's really all about growing up and growing wise. I'm going to give you a truth right here. You might want to write this down because you, you can hang on to it. Here's the truth. Everyone... Everyone grows up or dies. Not everyone grows wise. But Jesus did. In fact, our children's ministry is based on a verse of scripture that's found in the Gospel of Luke, the second chapter, the 52nd verse. And here's what it says there. It says, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Now, it doesn't say Jesus grew in knowledge. He had all knowledge. He was there from the beginning. He was creation. He was there in creation. But once he came to earth and began living as a person, he was seeing things and understanding. He was growing even more in his wisdom. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Still had all knowledge. But now he's seeing how people live and don't live correctly all right so the book of proverbs is all about wisdom so i want you to get your bibles go ahead and find the book of proverbs it's in about in the middle of the old testament right past psalms you'll find it there because in proverbs there are 31 chapters of wisdom written by the wisest human that ever lived okay and the Bible's full of wisdom proverbs has 31 chapters it works out perfect how many months have 31 days it works out perfect read a chapter a day get wise but but sometimes we're intimidated by this too many people are intimidated by this they may have one laying on a shelf somewhere at home that got passed down for generations from your grandparents and your great-grandparents and all but to like to open it up and to like dig into it and read it becomes intimidating you don't have to be intimidated all this is is a library of 66 books. 66 books written over a period of 1,500 years by over 40 different authors. And they come together perfectly and mesh together perfectly. And they're all inspired by God through the Holy Spirit to impart wisdom to us. Now, we know there's two big sections. The Old Testament, which is the history of God's people and about him calling them out. And, and basically, it's summarized in that people are rebellious, yet God is faithful. That's the Old Testament. Then we get to the New Testament. The Old Testament is fulfilled in the New Testament. And we're introduced to the answer to the Old Testament, which is Jesus. 
And, and then we start in the New Testament, you got the first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that are just the, the biography of Jesus' life told by four different people. Actually written after it happened, but they're remembering what they saw when they were with Jesus. And then we, and we get the biography of Jesus' life in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then there's a fifth book that's in there that's the history of the beginning of the church. And then once you get past Acts, it's just a series of, of letters that are written to various churches and people that aren't being wise. That, that's what the, those New Testament letters are. It's mainly Paul, but others that are writing letters to churches trying to impart wisdom and trying to help them you know, re-navigate, recalibrate some things in their life. And so we don't have to be intimidated because all this is about is learning wisdom about how to love God and how to love people as we love God. So what, that's what we're going to talk about for the next four weeks is some life hacks. Wisdom that really works from the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs tells us to get wisdom. But what is wisdom? What is wisdom? In fact, check out, flip over to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. Look what it says. This is great. This is like so, like duh. All right. Here's what Solomon wrote. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Okay. The beginning of wisdom is get wisdom. And then he goes on to say, though it costs all you have, get some understanding along the way see some of life hacks a lot of life hacks a lot of everyday wisdom doesn't come easy does it it, it costs it, sometimes it's more precious than gold so wisdom is investing with a high rate of income a high rate of return a high roi that's what you get if you invest wisely if you invest wisdom but you can have all the money in the world but if you don't have any wisdom you're gonna be in trouble there's a phrase that has been quoted a lot over the last almost 500 years now it was originally it was originally written by a guy named thomas tusser in 1573 here's the phrase a fool and his money are soon parted. Some of you knew the, the rest of that. I could have left blanks up there. Some of you have heard that enough in life and in school, and maybe from your parents, grandparents, whoever, that when I said a fool and his money are, you would have soon parted. You would have known the answer to that. How many stories, how many stories have you heard about athletes and other people signing multi-million dollar contracts for their performance and endorsements and ending up broke, ending up dead broke. I mean, sick amounts of money. And it's not just, it's not something that's just happened in this new era of like multi-million dollars. That was happening when guys were signing big contracts for tens of thousands of dollars 40 or 50 years ago. But they weren't wise with this newfound income. Now with NIL or name, image, and likeness, I don't know what that's going to do. You're going to get all these college kids, 18-year-old kids. An 18-year-old quarterback got almost $10 million just to go to a certain university in NIL contracts. What are 18-year-olds going to do with $10 million? More than likely make some unwise decisions. Because they don't have the, the life hacks. They don't have enough time invested. If they aren't wise, it'll be gone shortly after their skills have faded away. Think about the times in your life when you've benefited from some wisdom. You, you, you had somebody in your corner going, no, 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 don't, don't, lose it. don't do that. 
Don't do that. Or, or think about the times that you've gotten burned because you didn't have anybody. Or, or you had somebody in your life trying their best to impart some wisdom, trying to say, hey, you need to do this, or you don't need to do this, you need to, you need to put this here, you need to do this, and you didn't listen. Only to realize later that they were right. They're usually named mom and dad. But anyway, you can figure that out. Here's what wisdom is. Pastor Rob King preaches a great church up in Cincinnati. He said these two things about wisdom. He said, first of all, wisdom is the practical application of knowledge and understanding in any situation. Look, look what it says. It's knowledge and understanding. Knowledge plus understanding equals wisdom. A lot of people have knowledge. A lot of people, man, they, they have great knowledge. They can get a 36 on their ACT and they can't find their way out of the mall. And if they do, they can't remember where they parked or how they got there. There's a lot of people that have a ton of knowledge and don't have any understanding, therefore they don't have any wisdom. I would say this even, I would go as far as to say, if you've got to miss one of these, you may be better off not to have the knowledge, but to have understanding. Just to be able to understand how to function in life. But wisdom comes from knowledge and understanding coming together. You might be right about a fact and wrong about an application. The second thing he said was this. He said, wisdom is what you would do if you knew all that God knows about every situation you're in. Man, that's a trap, isn't it? That, that, that's a trap. You know how I know it's a trap? It was actually the first trap, the very first trap. Because do you remember the Garden of Eden? And remember what Satan told Eve? He said, if you just eat of that tree, what would you have? You would have all that God knows. We couldn't handle that. Even if we had it, we couldn't handle that. But wisdom is knowing what you would do if you kind of had that level of knowledge. It's like you've got all the knowledge that you have. You know what you know? What you know. You can't know what you don't know. All right? See, I'm just giving you wisdom like in, in tons today. You don't know what you don't know. But what you do know, whatever it is, needs to be applied to the situations in your life. That's wisdom. You're uh, taking the time to think about a situation and how every aspect of the situation might play out. A lot of times we'll talk to people and say like, okay, if we're, on the, if we're on this path, this is the path we're on. Think about the path that you're on right now and play it all the way out. How's it going to end? And a lot of times you have that conversation with somebody and once they start thinking about that, it's like, oh, that's not, that's not good. <coughs> that's not going to be good. Several years ago, Andy Stanley wrote this book. It's one of my favorite books ever. It's called The Best Question Ever. And, and he, he, in this book, tells what he feels like is the best question ever asked. You know what it is? What's the wise thing to do? Think about that. That question, what's the wise thing to do? And if you ask yourself that question about every situation that you find yourself in in life, and then you do what you come up with as the answer, how good's your life going to be? Think back on, on the past. How many times 
did you think about a situation, or if you thought at all, you thought about it, and you thought, ah, that's probably not the wisest thing to do, and you did it anyway, and it didn't work out too well. What's the wise thing to do? It's taking what knowledge you have and applying, because it works for everything. Think about your finances. Think about your finances. You need a new car or a car, all right? Do you need a car that will get you from point A to point B? Or do you need a car that will get you from point A to point B and everybody driving down the street going, wow, look at that. Well, if you're one of those multi-million dollar athletes that can afford that, whatever, whatever. But how many of those do you need? I saw an interview this week, Charles Barkley talking about when he first made it to the NBA and got some money, got some serious money. And he's having a conversation with his dad, said something about his cars. And his dad said, what are your cars? How many cars you got? Charles Barkley told his dad, I got six. And he said, got really quiet. My dad asked me, how many of you can you drive at one time? (laughs) Now, what's the wise thing to do? Do Do you need to live in a mansion in the finest neighborhood around? Or do you need a place that will keep you warm and dry at night when you sleep? What's the wise thing to do in our finances? What about your marriage, your relationships? Ever been in a relationship that even at the beginning of it, when you're getting into it, you weren't really sure about it, but you went ahead and did it? You went ahead and got in, and if you just taken the time to stop and think, what's the wise thing to do here? What about parenting? What about parenting and what about your job place? That question, what's the wise thing to do, applies to everything. Because everything God does is wise. Why would we want to lean into that? You notice, if you've spent much time at all reading the Bible, I I just really kind of put this together this week. I was thinking about all the times in the New Testament, those Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those four Gospels, when he's given the history of Jesus, like, how many times... The smartest people in the room, the scholars, the scribes, the Pharisees, how many times they tried to trick Jesus with a question? How'd that work out for them? It never worked. Because they're trying to trick someone with all knowledge and all wisdom. What if we just followed that wisdom? That's what wisdom is. But what's it do? What does wisdom do? It keeps you from making bad choices if here's a big if if you apply it when when we work with people in recovery we tell them one of the things that you need most of all when you're getting started in recovery from whatever you're recovering from is you need some phone numbers you need some numbers in your phone so that when you're tempted to do something you know you shouldn't do whatever it might be that you've got some people that you can call but you don't need just one number you need a bunch of numbers because the first person on your list may not be able to answer the phone not because they don't care they just can't answer the phone right then all right so you need a bunch of numbers but but we also tell them this you can have the number of every human on the planet And if you don't dial it, it doesn't do you any good. Wisdom keeps you from making bad choices if you dial it up, if you apply it to the situations you find us in. Proverbs 14.1 says, A wise woman builds her home, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. Remember, Jesus told parables. There were earthly stories with heavenly meanings. One of the parables he told was about a guy that was an super successful farmer and in one year particularly like he's killing it like 
It, it's been the perfect climate, the perfect rain amount, everything. And the, like the barns are filling up. In fact, he, his barns aren't big enough to hold all of his crops. And so he thinks, what am I going to do? And so here was his decision. I'm going to tear down all the barns that I do have and build bigger barns. Was that a wise decision? No. What are you going to do with the crops that you already got stored in those barns? How much more money are you going to spend tearing those barns down and then spend more money building up new ones? That's not a wise decision. How many of those kind of decisions do we make? Do we make? Man, I, okay, I just react. He was successful, but he wasn't wise. A few years ago, <coughs> excuse me, and we, we love the, the companies in our community that have employed so many people. We love... Humana and GE and Ford. A few years ago, Ford was having trouble getting parts for an F-150 truck. I, I know it's hard to imagine, but it was. And <laughs> Okay, move, move, move. I got to keep moving. The, the, the problem was the machine that made this one little part stopped working. It's like all these pickup trucks parked everywhere. Because they can't get one little part, and they've tried everything they can to fix this machine so they can make this one part, and, and nobody can figure out how to do it. So finally they break down, and they call this world-renowned engineer to come in and try to figure out what's going on. He gets there, he flies in, he gets there, he's walking around, looking at the machine, kind of looking at things, listening to things, and, and finally after a few moments, he reaches down into his briefcase, pulls out a ball-peen hammer, Walks over, touches, and whack, hits the machine as hard as he can. Everybody's like, what? And sure enough, all of a sudden the machine's working. People are like going crazy. This is awesome. The foreman says to him, man, that's incredible. You were here five minutes and you fixed it. How much do we owe you? The guy said, a million and two dollars. What? A million and two dollars. I'm going to need an invoice for that. I said, okay, I'll email it to you. He leaves. Next day, the foreman gets an email. Here's how it was broken down. Ball peen hammer, $1. Labor, $1. Knowing where to hit the machine, a million dollars. How many things in life could be fixed if you just know where to hit the machine? You just have the wisdom. The wisdom to know what to do. A house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3. So this whole book of Proverbs was written by the wisest man who ever lived. A guy named Solomon. He was David's son. He's getting ready to take over as king. And, and David's, the baton's getting ready to pa be passed. Solomon's going to be the one who actually builds the temple. All those great things. But in 1 Kings chapter 3, if you want to turn there in your Bible or get it on your phone or whatever. In 1 Kings chapter 3, we see God tell Solomon to ask for whatever he needed. And it would be granted to him. Look starting in verse 7. This is God speaking. Or, or this, this is actually Solomon. Now, Lord, my God, you have made me king instead of my father, David. But I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous that they cannot be counted. Look what he says. Give me an understanding heart. So that I can govern your people well and know the difference 
to know the difference. He's asking for knowledge right there. To know the difference between right and wrong for who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours. An understanding heart equals wisdom. Now look what God says to him. Look at verse 10. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you've asked for wisdom and governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth uh, or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you ask for. See, that would have been selfish, right? It would have been the normal thing to do. What do you want? I'll give you anything. Okay, I, I, I want wealth. And I want a long life, and I want all my enemies just disappear. That, that's like the normal, that's like the obvious, like some of the obvious things, but, but Solomon didn't ask for that. He asked for an understanding heart. And so God says, I'll give it to you. But then check this out. Verse 13, I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees, catch this, obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. David was a man after God's own heart, but what did David do? David committed adultery and had the husband of the woman he committed adultery with put on the front line so he would be killed. But at the end of his life, God's remembering him as the one who obeyed my decrees and commands because after David fell, we all fall, right? We all fall. We, we all mess up. And after he fell, David said, creating me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew within me the right spirit. And bring back to me the joy of your salvation. So at the end, when David's handing the baton to Solomon, God says, do like your father did. And part of that was the wisdom of when you mess up, own your stuff and make it right. Own your stuff and ask for forgiveness. So that's what wisdom is. That's what it does. How do we get it? How do we get it? God told Solomon to ask for whatever he wanted. I mean, it's kind of like the ultimate genie in the bottle. I mean, it's like, whatever you want, whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. And Solomon asked for wisdom. I would argue that was a pretty wise request, all right? Uh, but he asked for wisdom. So, but, but what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? I got great news. Flip over to the New Testament. Go to the book of James. Go to chapter one. You got to check this out. Remember, God, God says, Solomon, ask whatever you want and I'll give it to you. Check this out. James chapter one, verse five. This is James, the brother of Jesus writing to us, writing to people today. If you need what? Wisdom. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Don't waver <coughs> for a person... Uh, with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in all they do. God told Solomon, ask for whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. Give me wisdom, okay? And then later, later, literally centuries later, God through James says, if any of you needs wisdom, just ask. How do we get it? 
We just ask. God says ask for it. Over and over again, the Bible tells us that we need to ask for what we need. In the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32, verse 7, it says, remember the days of long ago. Think about the generations past. Ask your father and he will inform you. Inquire of your elders and they will tell you. Then Jesus comes in the Gospels. And Matthew 7 preaches his first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And toward the end of that sermon, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the doors will be opened to you. And then later in his ministry, in Matthew 21, 22, he tells us, and all things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. And then finally, James, toward the end of this letter where he started off saying, ask for wisdom. In chapter 4, he says, and you want what you don't have, so you scheme, and you kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war and take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Now, let's stop here for a moment and impart some wisdom. God says, ask, and I'll provide. but God will not provide anything for you that goes against his will. That would be contradictory. So if it's within his will and you need something, he says, ask for it ask for it he won't give you something that goes against his will because that would lead you into sin which is contradictory to who god is but within his will and within his okay there's no problem with that ask asking another person for help opens the heart to receive help that is needed i I know I, i know some of you are already thinking but david it's hard it's embarrassing for me to ask for help That's because we usually wait too long to ask. And when we finally get around to asking, we're in trouble. And it's embarrassing. Listen to me. It's a lot less embarrassing to ask for wisdom on the front end of a decision than to ask for a bailout on the back end of a situation. You know, one of the things I'm trying really hard to do is I'm getting older and getting some wisdom I'm trying really hard to learn not to give advice. And especially not until somebody asks for it. You know how many times I've wasted breath and words and hours of my life that I'll never get back imparting wisdom on those who didn't want it? You gotta ask. If you want wisdom, you have to be receptive to it. So where do you find it? I'm going to give you a great starting point. They've read through the whole Bible and timed it chapter by chapter. And they figured out that on an average, it takes three minutes and 45 seconds to read a chapter of the Bible. Three minutes, 45 seconds. Do you realize that you may be three minutes and 45 seconds away from help? But you don't have because you don't ask. I can't wait to dig into some more of these life hacks and understand because what we're looking for is wisdom. The serenity prayer says this. It says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference between the two. 
Here's what I want to finish. Band's coming back out. I want to finish this. I want to give you the wisest thing you can do today. The wisest thing that you can do today is to invite Jesus into your heart. Be number 76. Invite Jesus into your heart because God will give you the wisdom as you humble yourself enough to just ask. Would you guys stand with me? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to worship. We're going to worship hard. Bobby's going to be right down here by the baptistry. I'm going to come down. I'm going to be right down here at the front. And my best, the wisest thing you can do today is not to leave this place without making sure that your eternity is 100% secure because you've done everything that the Father asked you to do. That's the best wisdom that you can have. That's the most important thing you can do. And, and if you're good with that and you've done that and you just need to pray over there by the cross, there's a place you can go and kneel and pray. You can kneel right where you are and pray. You can stand. Lights are coming down. Nobody's going to be watching you. It's all about worshiping God. It's all about worshiping God. So we're just going to bring this thing to a climax and we're going to see it's already look it's getting dark nobody's watching you but are you watching God why don't you make sure and give your life to him today In my heart there is a song that's hard to sing Because it scares me just to think of what it means I want to know you, Jesus, in your suffering Take me deeper When I see my Savior there upon the cross Whatever I have gained, I count it all as loss How I want to know the fullness of my God Take me deeper I lift my hands in surrender Take me deeper Oh, your love is like a Yeah.
life hack for the men in the room all right women you're you're welcome to watch as well but if you're sitting with that special guy in your life make sure that he's paying attention to this life hack about what it would look like to become an uncommon man and make sure he gets signed up watch 